One of these days, I swear, one of these days, your favorite hockey team is going to show up to an NHL draft like the one that's taking place here in Montreal for the purposes of executing a draft. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. Bon Matin from Montreal flew up here yesterday. Looking forward to the draft. For real, it begins here tonight at the Bell Center at 7 p.m. Logan Cooley. Local kid from West Mifflin actually covered his uncle going way back to the 1980s to date myself here. His name was John Mooney, starred for Sarah Catholic, scored like 100 goals in a single season once. That's going to be fun. He's going to go in the top two or three. He'll be the highest Pittsburgh selection ever. The Penguins won't go until... 21st overall, and the expectations for this draft aren't exactly through the roof. The quality of the class isn't seen as being super deep. First two, three picks, including Cooley, have GMs excited, not really the rest of the group. Doesn't mean there won't be any good players. This happens every year. There's always somebody that falls out of what the scouts' expected quality group is. But there's really no reason to get excited. And this has been the story of this team for more than a decade now. And yes, there have been three Stanley Cups raised in that time. So there really isn't room for regret in this scenario. You got, meaning you as a Pittsburgh hockey fan, what you wanted. But at some point or other, these classes that the Penguins bring in to these development camps have to start showing real potential. Don't make me remind you of how at the last development camp, the only player that I found even remotely interesting was Valtteri Pustinen. That's not a shot at Pustinen. He's a nice player. I hope he gets a legit chance to crack the lineup out of training camp. I don't expect that he will, but I hope he gets it. That's it. That is it. We haven't seen a system like this since Jim Hamilton. And if you don't know that reference, please know that I'm referring to Jim Hamilton as being the Penguins' entire system, for the most part, before the 1983-84 season. That, of course, was the one in which the team went 16-58-6 and drafted you-know-who as a result. Hamilton was the guy who would shuttle back and forth from Pittsburgh to Baltimore playing for the AHL Skipjacks, and it was actually something of a running joke. To this day, Eddie Johnston, who was the general manager of that team, will call Jim Hamilton the system at the time. And by the way, Not just because he wore number 13, but Hamilton wasn't really all that good either. This system is what? Sam Poulin? Is he the new 
Jim Hamilton? Is it Pustinen? I don't know. Is there anybody that excites you? Is there anybody that's worth looking forward to? That has to change. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. But here we are again, and the draft isn't the story for this team. I reported exclusively a couple of days ago on DK Pittsburgh Sports that the Penguins and Chris Letang were getting close on an extension. Ron Hextall confirmed that reporting here yesterday, saying publicly that he expects the contract to be completed, quote, real soon, end quote. He also expressed some optimism, uh, guarded, but nonetheless optimism, as it relates to Evgeny Malkin. My expectation is that you're going to see Latang signed here. This is where he's from, and this is where he's training. And that'll put to rest any and all of the Latang stuff, obviously. And in turn, they can turn their attention, the Penguins can, to getting Malkin done. And, and yeah, who's the first-round pick? I mean, look, we're going to talk about it. I can promise you that I'm investing, no matter what else happens here today and tonight, I am investing tomorrow's daily shot in the first round pick. Take that to the bank, okay? At some point or other, that has to become the emphasis. You can construct your NHL roster and your NHL salary cap in such a way that you can continue to be competitive in Sidney Crosby's uh, final three years of his existing contract. You can even find a way to contend, I thought, the team from this past season could have contended, maybe would have contended, if it hadn't been for the goaltending injuries down the stretch. You can do that while taking care of the draft. This draft isn't going to yield that, not just because of the first rounder, not just because of the class, but because the Penguins don't have a second rounder or a third rounder. The second rounder, of course, having been moved in the Ricard Raquel trade, who just might be allowed to walk, which is a wasted asset. Did you know that Latang was a third-round pick? Did you know that Jake Gensel was a third-round pick? Did you know that Brian Rust was a third-round pick? It can't just be about having one high pick and saying, well, all our hopes are on Tristan Bros or whoever. You just can't do that without expecting, realistically, to fall flat on your face as a franchise before long, Sid or no Sid. The Penguins drafts need to start building up not just quality, but quantity. I think there's something of a mythology in Pittsburgh, especially among the uh, older hockey fans, that the only way to ever get stronger through the draft is to, you know, be completely dead last as they were in the Mario draft or even uh, finish so low that 
you end up getting Yarmir Yager because Craig Patrick was the only one who knew how to get him out of the Czech Republic. Or winning the lottery to get Sid. Uh, or being so awful the year before that you get Gino. You can have high-quality drafts by having high-quantity you can't do that if you don't have any picks. I'll at least give Ron Hextall and Brian Burke credit for not having parted with their first rounders as Jim Rutherford was doing year after year after year. But the second rounders have gone in consecutive years for Jeff Carter and Raquel. Say what you want about the merits of each of those players are what they brought in the playoffs, but they didn't get out of the first round. And in Carter's case, Hextall clearly felt compelled to sign him to an extension, even though he's starting to decline. Now in Raquel's case, I don't see how they can keep him. Get serious about the draft starting, well, not this year, but next year. When we come back, J1Q. J1Q comes from Jay, who asks, if it saves 500000 or more per year, why shouldn't the Penguins go an extra year and give Chris Letang a four-year deal if they're truly trying to win in Sid's last three years? Well, my answer, Jay, is that I don't know that they won't. You know, when I did this exclusive reporting a couple of days ago, I included somewhat parenthetically in the report, having heard that they're working on a three-year term. But I couched it with the word likely because that's what the source said. Negotiations alter these things sometimes from minute to minute. Think about how these dialogues would go. So if in one breath, Ron Hextall says, well, how about three years and this and this and Latang's agent comes back and says, what about five years and this and this? And then Hextall thinks to himself something like what you just said, that they can meet in the middle by going four years and at the same time minimizing or at least reducing a little bit the average annual value, then maybe the team benefits. The catch to that, of course, is that Latang is 39 years old in a four-year contract, meaning at the end of it. Uh, he's 40 at the end of a five-year contract. And these aren't deals that teams generally are eager to sign in any sport. Uh, it can really, really hamstring you. Anybody who follows uh, the entire league closely knows, for example, what Bill Guerin's up against uh, in St. Paul with the Wild continuing to have to put up 13 million a year for the next three years to pay for the never ending mistake that was the dual signing of Ryan Souter and Zach Parisi. This wouldn't be comparable, but let's say that Latang were to really decline as a player when he's 39, 40 years old, and you're stuck with 8 million of a cap hit on the books. These cap hits 
by the way, don't fluctuate. I hear and read a lot of hockey fans talking about the NHL cap as if it works similarly to the one in the NFL, which is obviously much more commonly discussed. In the NFL, you can vary your cap hits. You can have teammates restructure their own contracts to benefit other teammates. None of this is possible in the NHL, the way their labor agreement's written out. None of it. You can't do the restructuring. You can't even have the thing fluctuate. If you sign a five-year, $50 million contract, just as an example, I'm not talking about let's hang here, anybody, five-year, $50 million contract, the average annual value of that contract is obviously $10 million. Every cap hit every year is $10 million no matter how you're actually paying that person. So there's no cheat code when it comes to the NHL. I see what you're saying, Jay. I do. I I think that there's logic to that. The only thing I put forth in that report was what I heard. And obviously, the bulk of that report was just that the Penguins and Latang were very close on a contract. And that, again, was confirmed here yesterday by the GM. So, you know, take that however it is that you choose to take it regarding the remainder of that information. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. And we will have another one of these from here in Montreal tomorrow. Tomorrow.